I came into this saying that the reason they were picked to win the West by most people is because they have confidence in Scott Frost. I didn't think they were ready. I thought they were overrated, if you will. Now that I've watched them practice, I think that the polls are accurate. I do think that they're in the thick of it in the West. My opinion has totally changed. They're further along than, than I anticipated. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. According to our Redcast legal department, due to Ohio State, we can no longer say the. Thanks, you jerks. I'm also with Mac. Along those same legal lines, we're going to dive deep into Nebraska's industrial hemp laws and see what other injustices have been enacted against the Husker players. (laughs) Okay, I'm not quite sure where that's going, but I'm also with Boomer. Well, I guess tying into industrial hemp and other sort of injustices, I'm really excited with the announcement of the uh, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl and all the breakfast cereal tie-in possibilities with bowl games nowadays. And they really have a great opportunity to bring back the uh, Astro Booberry Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) That was the most underrated flavor. It really was, yeah. (laughs) Hard to find, too. It just wasn't in every grocery store. That was the Thinking Man's Monster Cereal. Yes, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, uh, we already heard from Jerry DiNardo, and it sounds like Max's prediction from last week showed that he might change his tune after seeing the Huskers in practice and became reality. We'll get to that here very shortly. But, Honky, I know uh, you and Mac actually went to an event this weekend hosted by NET. You want to take a dive into that? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was the uh, NET Sports Partner Breakfast, and it was uh, headlined by Michael Severe, who has now just recently switched. He was on the bottom line with the Omaha World Herald. Now he's on 1620 uh, with Severe and Benning, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, he did a great job headlining it. We also had a chance to talk with Brandon Meyer, who's the Senior Athletic Director for the Marketing and Multimedia at UNL, and a really cool guy, too. And so we got to watch some videos that were NET. Like, one of them was a volleyball video of their game out in, right. in uh, McCook over spring. And, yeah. you know, you're just hearing the, the music. And the other cool thing, Mac, I mean, we clearly, we were half the age of everyone in there. <laughs> but what was really cool is everyone's wearing red. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning, two weeks before the start of the season, but it was in full red effect. You know, I go back to the show when we talked about young Husker fans need to go hang out with old Husker fans when you tailgate. And it was just sort of along those lines. It's like the women were all gussied up and they're non-Adidas Husker wear, like vintage, you know, big dangly earrings and and, 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 like homemade knitted scarves that have, you know, in you on them. It was just crocheted hats with the pop. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just like you sit down it's like, where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you from? Oh, I know this guy, you know, this guy, it's, it was beautiful. It was like, it was, it was like a pre aura day kind of Saturday. Mm -hmm. You know, we got to soak it all in, sit on the big red wrap up set, which was super cool. cool. Everybody there at NET was so inviting and welcoming, showing us around everything like that. And great day. That's great. Well, you mentioned the bottom line. We got to go do a rest in peace to TBL. That was a good show. But uh, they moved on from that, and uh, I think uh, Severe will do great with uh, Mr. Benning there in the morning. So before we dive into the BTN stuff, uh, I do want to mention the Yahoo Sports Pick'em. We have done that the last couple of years, and we do have that up and running now. Honky, I don't know all the ways we promote this, but it is out there on Yahoo, and hope that we have a great turnout. Yeah, it's it's out there on Twitter. It's out there on Facebook. I'm notorious for retweeting things way too many times, so you'll probably see it 40 more. But Are we going to have any like uh, great grand prize for the winner? 
Well, we still have uh, last year's grand prize, which was never claimed, so we do have a uh, glossy 8x10 signed by uh, Honky uh, showing him uh, eating last year's uh, New Year's Eve leftover shrimp cocktail. So that will be available to this year's winner, and I'm sure we'll be able to find one or two other items from our uh, Husker vault to give to a winner this year as well. Yeah, what, actually, what were the final standings of last year's Yahoo Pick'em in, in terms of the red cast finish? Pretty sure Mac won it. Oh, I did win it! That's right! I forgot. <laughs> I know I didn't. Uh, the past is behind us. We have a lot to cover tonight. I mean, this is uh, a great time of year to be doing a Husker football podcast because uh, there's so much out there uh, with just a week or two here before the first game. So uh, we are looking forward to the BTN uh, tour bus showing up on Monday. And bright and early Monday morning, we started getting tweets from Jerry DiNardo and Howard Griffith and Dave Revson. Uh, Honky, I'm sure you watched it multiple times already. <laughs> what were your takes on their takes on the Huskers? I think what uh, what Howard mentioned about the O-line, very specifically, he talked about how in spread offenses, O-lines tend to get slimmed down. In fact, there was an article that we had seen online a couple of weeks ago, and it was about how That's Oklahoma right. was slimming down their O-line. That was kind of their – oh, no, I'm sorry. They were slimming down their D-line. That was their – their point, but the the point remains is that to play in this spread style, whether it's offensively or defensively, it's about getting slimmed down guys that can move fast. And Howard looked at this offensive line. And he goes, "These are big dudes. These are not small guys." And yet they were moving around at a pace that they hadn't seen other offensive lines do it. He went as far to talk about how in all the years that they've been doing this, only one other time, and it was Indiana a few years back. Indiana had their offensive line. Uh, doing some running back drills, working with like some kind of the working uh, the bags, yeah. yeah, working bags, basically running back drills, and he's like, these are not trimmed down O linemen; these are big dudes. But I thought that was really interesting. It was very specific to the O line that we're doing something that they really hadn't been seeing being done by other schools. Mm. That's a really good point, Honk. They have the all access, you know, to practice Mac, which is nice, and they get to see that year over year. They only get one one crack at it each year, but they also get to see all their 14 teams. How much do you like um A envy their access, I guess, but B like I mean that that experience of seeing the year over year changes and having all 14 teams to compare against one another, does it add to you think their value of their their commentary, I guess? I sometimes wonder how the local media feels about the when the Big 10 tour bus rolls into town because it, it seems like they maybe get this limited, you know, maybe 60 minutes total of pre-practice that they get to see all year and then the Big 10 rolls in and they get to watch all of it. You know, that's just part and parcel for the course. I mean, that's how it goes. You, you get network money, you got to let the network in. But beyond that, super jealous, super super jealous. <laughs> You know, one thing I, I thought, Donardo's came out and said, you know, maybe Nebraska's overrated and it could be a result of the schedule, the faith in Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez. And, and that's all pretty true. I'm like, when he came out with the statement, I didn't actually have that big of a problem with it. I thought, well, that's fair. He wants to look at him and everything like that. What I was looking for, and we talked about it last week, was I wanted to hear him amend that statement. And to his credit, he absolutely did. I have no problem with him coming here and getting a look at the at the mm-hmm. players and looking at the development and looking at the efficiency and looking at how Adrian Martinez has progressed and how the and how the practice flows and and changing and going. You know, these guys are definitely in the mix in the West. They're they're ahead of where I thought they were going to be. And to me, his prior statement actually validates the second statement more. Because it's a theme, right? Right, Dave? I mean, uh, Bruce Feldman, he comes in, he gets to spend some time with the Huskers, he walks away a complete believer. And that's sort of how it's been going. People who have spent time 
with the program, including the program, go away believers in Nebraska, in Scott Frost, and Adrian Martinez. The list goes on. So, um, yeah, I, I, do you put too much stock in it? I don't know. How much stock do you put in any preseason stuff? But I think it's in line with what everybody else has been saying, and that has been a trend in this offseason, more than I've ever seen it. You know, I've always found the, the BTN guys are in a difficult spot in the sense that they are reviewing all 14 teams. But at the end of the, the tour, they do actually give some predictions on who they think will finish first. And uh, they're not going to make everyone happy with that. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it, I think there has to be some value in their decisions to who they're going to support. Honky? It's interesting with like, I'm not jealous about watching necessarily one Husker practice in the sense that Mac and I, we've been able to watch you know, a Husker practice every spring now, right? And so I've seen Husker practices where I think the value, what they get to do, which is so cool, is what you mentioned there, Dave. They get to go to 14 straight practices, and you can actually compare it against something else. Like, to just randomly go to one Nebraska practice, you can compare it to a year ago. And I thought Dave Revzine did a really good job about that, talking about how, you know, we could compare how they looked to Nebraska a year ago, and boy, they looked bigger, faster, stronger. But to be able to compare them to what Minnesota looked like yesterday and what Iowa looks like tomorrow and what Ohio State looked like a week ago, and that is so unique, and I am 100% jealous of that. That is the coolest thing, and I think it gives them a great leg up on being able to really have a good understanding of how this conference looks from top to bottom. And the the overall theme of the whole thing is, is the West looks pretty good. And, you know, one of the things that DiNardo honed in on, and I thought it was pretty astute, I knew going in to the to the tour, they're not going to tell me anything about Nebraska. I don't know. They're not going to tell me anything that the honky does. None of you guys. I mean, we all know what we know about Husker football. But he honed in on one thing that I thought we've talked about. I know, Honky, you specifically talked about the depth at quarterback. For Denardo to come in and say, obviously, Adrian's great. Maybe a separator in this with this team amongst others is... They've got some depth behind them, some guys yeah. that can truly play and some talent developed ready to go. And that is not the case throughout the West. And that is something that I was like, well, that's that's a really, really astute point. Something on like another element of credibility that I could put on that. Yeah, I looked at the, some of the stuff he had been talking about. I looked at the other programs specifically in the West because they had been talking a lot about the, the depth in the conference. And, you know, top to bottom, now this is probably the most competitive division in in most of college football. And I looked at how he described, you know, going to Minnesota, how they talked about Wisconsin, how they talked about Nebraska, how they talked about Iowa, you know, Illinois, nobody cares, but that's all right. <laughs> uh, you know, and they, he said whiskey, you know, Wisconsin, they look like a better team than last year. They talked about Minnesota, you know, having more depth. You know, they've been able to develop that over the years because I don't know if you were aware Minnesota was a young team a few years ago. <laughs> what? That's all right. What? Yeah, I haven't been able to watch the Iowa show yet, but they were talking about their physical practices. But like Max said, the one recurring theme that they kept bringing up was quarterback play is going to be the key to the West. He mentioned that with Minnesota, and, you know, they have their issues at quarterback. They mentioned that with Iowa. Are they going to have consistent quarterback play? And I think that's one thing, if you're going to take anything away from this and why you should feel confident as a Husker fan going forward is we do have the best quarterback possibly in the conference, and we've got the best depth out of anybody, I think, in the entire conference as well, too. That's a really, really good point, Boomer, and I think it's really interesting. This is a great example of what Mac was talking about of when uh, someone who is on the national scene 
comes and visits Lincoln and actually sees a practice, how they may have their perceptions changed. And this is a great example. I've heard multiple national pundits uh, say like, well, I, I don't know if I really buy the Nebraska hype because Adrian Martinez, he runs a lot. He could get injured. They don't have any depth behind him. And here we hear Jerry DiNardo say this is the deepest quarterback position in the Big Ten West and maybe even the conference because of what he saw from Noah Vedral and uh, Luke McCaffrey. And, you know, a lot of what we've talked about with quarterback is – the improvement from year one to year two. And we've heard so much that questions were out there yesterday to Coach Frost about what does it mean to be in year two of a program? Well, a year ago right now, at this point in fall camp, we still had Jebbia fighting for the starting spot. That's where we were at one year ago today. In fact, it would be next Monday. Monday of game week was when he left. That's how late in the process a guy who was fighting for a starting position left. One year later, we have a returning quarterback who's a starter who's now a Heisman candidate. We have a guy with incredible football lineage in McCaffrey, who's the kind of the future of the spot. Vedral, who's going into his third year of running this position. And number four, Bunch, is the guy who has the second most snaps a year ago. The guy who started our second game a year ago, he's number four now for us. That's where that position group has changed in one year. Yeah, we've got we've got a coach in his second year at a program with a backup quarterback with three years in the exact same system. <laughs> I mean, that's probably pretty unique and not a bad way to be sitting going into the season. So, yeah, I feel good about that. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. And, and, hey, I mean, all the credit goes to Mario Verduzco there with that. That's, that's awesome. Yep. Another part of depth that I think a lot of people, when they actually see a practice and what we've been hearing is the defensive line, right? And that's another thing that a lot of the national guys are like, oh, I, I don't think that defense is going to be good enough we hear from the btn studio guys all the time um and then you have someone actually see practice and you're like three lines deep essentially right mac the change on the defensive line is any other team that's more of a storyline honestly because you talk about where were we terrible last year defense third down defense rush defense i'm like where do we need to address that i mean we, we bring a grad transfer like daniels and then just in the last moment and we talked about this last year I'm like, this staff does a really good job of adding late to a program. And I'm not saying Jakeem Green wasn't a late ad, but you could relate him back to a Mike Hughes. When he came on right before the season was about to start, just about exactly when Jakeem Green comes on, he goes on to at have UCF. A, at yep. UCF, has, goes on to have a huge impact on that season. I'm not predicting that. I'm not projecting that for Jakeem Green, but it doesn't take much football savvy to watch just a little bit of practice and see that guy is different. He looks, he's bigger, mm-hmm. he's stronger. I mean, Chenander used kind of specific language when he talked about him saying that he's got starter potential, not contributor, not, you know, he'll get his four games. And he said starter. And you need to pay attention to the words these guys use. And that rang very, very clear to me. Well, and, you know, I think it's a good question, Dave, and you're not the only one asking it. We have way more mailbag than we'll ever be able to get through in this show. So thank you very much, Redcasters. But Tony Hayek asked about how concerned should we be with our defense after last year? That seems to be the consensus about in you, but I don't know if I'm actually that worried about it with the amount of returners we have and the ones coming in too. So Dave, you know, that's a question right there from Tony that, you know, he's not that concerned with the fact that we have all this production back and we have these new guys, the Darian Daniels, now Jakeen Green and so on. There's so many new faces too. I mean, if defense gets itself righted, I mean, where are we at? We've talked a lot about this, and boy, if you're listening to the BTN guys, line of scrimmage is pretty important apparently in the Big Ten and Big Ten West in particular. If SD line has improved as much as we think it it could be, uh, it, it could be a real game changer. And this is how it's supposed to look, right? I, I read this somewhere, but I mean, it's a it's an absolute accurate statement. I mean, when you have 
guys like Ty Robinson, who looks like he's going to be a stud, and he can. We don't even have to worry about playing Ty Robinson yet this year, or Casey Rogers, or Tate Wildman, and we have the depth um, to have those guys sit for a year or two. That sets us up in the future. That's how we want every position to start looking like here. And the fact that they've been able to make this turnover on the D line that quickly is really impressive. Yeah, agreed. You know, one other thing I wanted to touch on really quick with the BTN guys, uh, and Boomer, maybe you can talk about this a little bit was, I don't know if it was on the show, but I think it was on Twitter was Donardo mentioned that he felt like Nebraska's facilities were probably fifth. I'll say that again, fifth in the Big Ten West, like behind Purdue, and that means Northwestern and Iowa and Wisconsin or Minnesota or whoever is ahead of us, right? And we've been talking about this potential for a, a new facility, but does that just kind of drive home that point of how this is absolutely needed at this point and how quick this happens now? Yeah, that was uh, that should be an eye-opener for everybody who is, has any concerns about it. Yeah, that was something Nebraska's prided itself on for years, how we always have the best facilities, the best weight room, the best you know training tables, the best everything. And if we fall behind Northwestern, I don't know how many of you have ever been out to Evanston and seen Northwestern, or you know been to been to Purdue and seen you know their old facilities. If if we fall behind those kinds of schools, where let's be honest, you know athletics or football, you know aren't always thought of as the biggest priorities, that's a big challenge. I mean that's that's a bad sign, especially if you're going to have to be a team that wants to recruit nationally the way we say we need to. You're you need those advantages. That's something you're going to have to have, and it it does speak to how quickly this stuff turns around. I mean it doesn't seen that long ago where we added on all these new parts to the stadium and you know tore down the old field house and built new stuff on and you know it doesn't seem that long but the arms race has picked up speed it certainly has yeah even if we announce something this year which we all hope is the case it would take several years to build it's going to be 15 plus years since on the last renovation so it's time and um it's just a matter of how big and and where and and all those type of things yeah well we have a Actually, another mailbag question that kind of aligns with this, and it's from the Great Northwest, Yukon Chris. He said that Gary DiNardo shared how bad the facilities were, and he goes, is the spend in college football going to lead to a continuous 10- to 15-year top-to-bottom cycle of rebuilding facilities, or is there a way to provide constant improvement revision without a complete remodel every year? Well, it certainly seems like it if... Like he said, if we're in a 10 to 15 year cycle, and as Dave mentioned, it was about 15 years when we did our last updates, then yeah, we are already there. That's the reality. And I think we all saw like what LSU put out in their video showing their facilities and, you know, some of the mockery it got, but it's just showing you what other schools are doing. And that unfortunately is the reality. So yeah, I think it is going to be a constant ongoing struggle or arms race, if you will, as far as uh, football goes. And with all the money that schools are getting, you know, there is going to be that push to spend it. And I think you're going to see that happen. Yeah, I, I do think that if we could potentially right size our facilities, not only for football, but for all student athletes. So the training table, the weight room facilities, and then obviously football in specific, the the locker room. Maybe the renovations are every five years, but it's more aesthetic opposed to um, enlarging the footprint. So I think it's important to get the footprint right this time around. Last time that was a mistake because it was done by a previous athletic department and coach who envisioned a smaller team. I don't expect Scott Frost and company to shrink this team anytime in, in the future. So we need to get it sized correctly. But then after that, this is interesting because – the investments that we've seen at Purdue and Northwestern and Iowa are all coming on the heels of increased 
revenue from the Big Ten, right? From the from BTN and, and the TV contracts in particular. And so if that revenue stream continues or even gets larger, that's another conversation we could have. Uh, it's interesting because they've had to make a big leap forward to, to pass us and catch up to everyone else. But then it'll be really be is like, what else can you do every five years besides modernization that's going to be an upgrade, right? Dave, I think you hit it perfectly where this is more of an issue of scale right now than anything. I don't think that our North facilities are so far behind from just an appearance standpoint. That's not necessarily the issue. It's literally we can't fit 155 players in there. We don't have a locker room big enough. We just need more space. And then if we're going to build this big facility that is going to house not only this large football team, it's also going to be large enough to house an entire athletic department. Let's have a big enough weight room. Let's have a big enough uh, medical facility. Let's have all of those facilities in, in one spot that's going to be big enough for this. And if you do that, then sure, you're going to renovate in 5 and 10 and 15 years, but you're not rebuilding to Yukon Chris's question. You're not having to rebuild every time. Right now, we literally just don't have space. We'd like to look back and you know point fingers and say, geez, it was only 2006. Why didn't they think further ahead? But that's it's not even it's a moot point right now. It just doesn't have the space for what the needs are today. And Dave, you brought up a great point. It's it, the, the revenue that everybody enjoys from being in the Big Ten specifically allows teams that traditionally didn't have these kind of facilities to upgrade and, and, and now be competitive. And that's all good and well. What we cannot be is last. We cannot be the one that, that Donardo's saying, they definitely need facilities. We don't have, number one, that's subjective. It just has to be Nebraska's facilities are as good as anybody's. Because yeah. you're not going to win an arms race. Yeah, I hear a jumbo steam statue is what all the student athletes have been <laughs> wanting. So. Michael, it's, it's the one thing missing from the, the, the piece of the puzzle. Like, it, it would tie the entire athletic department together. we well, got to get our name on that plaque, well, by the for, way, if it know, goes up. Darn straight. I'm curious to see how Frost hand building something for the future with, to your point, Mac, what is important in Nebraska. And I, I just came from popcorn days this weekend. I mean, free popcorn and, you know, I think would be a great advantage there too. But, um, but yeah, it's <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. <go ahead. laughs> but it's all about the fan experience, Mac. <laughs> but to the point, it's build something Nebraskan, but also, you know, you got to have some glitz and glamour. But I don't know that you need every slide and putt-putt golf course. I don't either. know how many free-tap Dorothy Lynch's you need. <laughs> I don't know how much Kool-Aid has to be in the weight room. But it's got to be Nebraska. Uh, Amigos <laughs> Ranch. Amigos Ranch. Yeah, runs it runs us in every locker, fresh every day. Of course. Reach. Of course. I want that locker room to smell like cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going sideways quick. Um, let's touch on the AP poll, right? That did also come out this week and the Huskers are ranked 24th. No surprise here. I think we most, mostly thought that we might get in the AP, right, Honk? Number 24. I mean, that seemed about right. And, and speaking of rankings, Redcasters, don't forget to rank us a five-star podcast. But <laughs> to go back, just being in the discussion, to have a number next to our, our name after three years of not having it, pretty cool. I do think in the weirdest way, there is value in starting ranked as long as we stay ranked because you do have the opportunity to, to move up quicker, right? You don't have to break in. So there's an advantage there. And I, I think it was interesting. I thought the the response by Frost was spot on and, and, and Adrian Martinez as well. Like Nebraska sh- should have expectations, right? And so all this preseason hype and whatnot, we should embrace that. 
I hear people worried about expectations for us. I, I don't. I'm not too worried about it. I, I actually think it's good for our football team. I think expectations have been way too low in Lincoln for way too long, and having expectations was just kind of life around here. So uh, I think it helps our guys. We need to be confident. We need to expect a lot out of ourselves, and we're going to play each game one at a time and, and focus on those games anyway. So I, I don't think it's going to be a, a distraction for our team. And honestly, this will be the lowest preseason rank that this program is going to have in a long time. Let's Let's put it out there, right, Mac? Really? I feel like that's a good starting position. If we can't ascend from that spot, I would be a little disappointed. Well, I have a question. Boomer, I'll, I'll throw this to you. And this comes from a Twitter poll that we threw out last night and uh, said that the Huskers are ranked 24th. Uh, will there be any time between now and the end of the year that we are not ranked again? And this goes back to your point, Dave. There's value in being ranked early on, right? Right now, it's 17% for yes. 83% are saying no. 83% of the respondents right now, we have over 300 votes. They're saying that, you know, we're not going to be out of the, the polls again, Boomer. Like Dave said, you know, when you have that opportunity to move up, it's a lot easier to move up when you're ranked as opposed to trying to crack into that ranking. And if things go as we expect, we should be 4-0 by the time we roll into Ohio State. And then you've got a hopefully a winnable game against the Buckeyes, or at least we all kind of hoping it's a win, you know, win or potential there. If you win that game, then, you know, you're probably sniffing the top 10 at that point. If, you know, if you're 5-0 and and a big one off the Buckeyes, that gives you a cushion, you know, to even lose a game or two and still stay in that top 25. So what it ultimately comes down to is what do you expect our final record to be? In the manner yeah, of Yeah, in the manner of the loss. Yeah, if, if you lose, you know, you pull a Riley 60-3 to loss or whatever it is, yeah, you're probably <laughs> going to take it in the shorts. But I Yeah, don't, you don't deserve to be ranked. Yeah, I don't think we expect that for us this year. You know, the Michigan game last year notwithstanding, that seemed to be an aberration more than anything. But uh, I would be hard-pressed to say we're not going to be ranked unless we just totally go out and get crushed by the Buckeyes, which I don't think any of us are expecting at this point. I think that's the right take, Boomer. I mean, if we can go 4-0 as long as, and let's hope we beat Ohio State, but if we uh, believe it's going to be a competitive game, I think we're going to be in pretty good shape the rest of the season from a poll perspective. All right, guys. You know, in one of our favorite topics on social media, they did release the alternate uniform as well this week, which... uh, I think seems to be a crowd favorite. We've got a black shirt theme going on. We're not quite sure what game I think they're going to put it on. I'm guessing Illinois, but uh, I'm going to start with Mac on this one because he actually likes uh, the alternate uniforms, and I'll let Honky uh, debate him after that. I would have preferred more chrome. I, you know, <laughs> whatever's more flashy, some sort of iridescent, only shows up in a black light kind of piping around the, the edges but no there there is some talk too about it being not just an alternate but a but a rotating uniform which to my partner to my left is literally a dagger into the heart but i'm gonna let a little secret out there to you red casters he actually kind of likes the black shirt jersey we asked a question on, on social media and red casters you came out in a vengeance over two thousand votes thank you very much we asked, are you a fan of Nebraska wearing alternate uniforms? 71% of 2,025 votes said yes. 29% said no. And the reality is, and I can call this out because I'm the one that asked it, it's a dumb question because it's not about do you like or dislike alternate uniforms. You have to look at each one individually. And to Max's point, this is a really cool uniform. In fact, it's so cool as an alternate uniform that I would be cool with it being the one that you do every year. It pays homage and respect to our black shirt tradition. It looks cool. 
We've seen too many crappy looking ones over the years. So I really like it. And it's just, it's something that, I mean, I can I can get behind. Dave? Yeah, I think it's cleaner and simpler than some of the other ones we've had, which uh, makes it stand out as a little bit more of a classic look. Doesn't have, you know, tape for numbers or anything like that. To Mac's point, maybe some people would like a little more bling on there. I th- did notice, Mac, did I not look at it close enough, like the, sh- the shield like the eye shield of the player actually has the black shirt on there. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that right? is super cool, except that you can't wear visors anymore. So I'm not exactly sure why they, they even put that out there. But I would vote for visors for one game for just to wear that black shirt <laughs> visor because that is sweet. But it's not, it, it is a very, it's a very much an homage to or homage or hombre <laughs> to the, you know, the black shirts on, on it's the bilingual. <laughs> Redcast here. Boomer, you're a man in black tonight. I mean, are you a fan of these particular uh, jerseys? Yeah, I actually like these. You know, I'm usually not excited when we're dipping into colors that aren't actually our school colors, quote unquote. But, you know, we'll let black slide with the black shirts tradition. So that's okay. You know, we can get away with that where I think a lot of other schools that don't have black as a color that try to pull this off. It just doesn't make any sense. So with us, at least there's that that tie in. So it's good. And these are nice, good, clean looking uniforms. They look like they could be full time uniforms for a program. They're not just some sort of one off crazy look that you just throw together just to build excitement or something like that so i think they're effective in that i I usually make fun of adidas for most of their their alternate uniforms they've come up with over the years they they tend to leave them to interns to like come up with the night before their dues so they end up being you know some duct tape (laughs) on a red jersey they found at the last minute and and typically they're terrible but i'm gonna lump this in with the ones i've liked i like last year's the the, you know that old throwback look i thought was really good i actually kind of like the old uh 1962 ones that we did whatever year that was when sue was here I thought those were effective. Honky, do you feel uh, this is a classic frost effect here that with his understanding of Nebraska history and and the uh, staff around him, you know, maybe influenced Adidas to actually do something a little bit more traditional, but but to stand out as well? It, it could be. I mean, this they're not that far apart from what we wore against UCLA back in like 2013 yeah. or 14, whatever that year was, when we had a classic uh, Bo Pelini collapse. Mm. But – it's black jersey. That game, particular one against UCLA, we had the red in on it. Now everything's just kind of a black in on top. And then they've really just accentuated the fact that this is going to be black shirt. I just think it's a good look. We're such a tradition-bound fan base that if you're going to change us for a game, but you're going to do it by honoring a mm-hmm. black shirt tradition that dates back to what defense was under Bob Devaney, then you're kind of playing exactly into the people like me that don't want to see it. Like all the people right. that are like, don't change the tradition and blah, blah, blah. But you're giving me good tradition. I like it. In the past, we've had this on our, our text thread of like, so what programs haven't actually done anything ever, right? And it's pretty few. In fact, I mean, even Alabama, I think, did a, a Bear Bryant yeah, they had a hound. It was tooth. hilarious. The letters, or the, excuse me, the numbers on the jerseys had just a, a whiff of houndstooth to them, and there was like a little extra piping around the sleeves, and and that was literally it. It was hilarious, you know. But it was an ode to history there, right, Mac? And I mean, Penn State has done things like, oh, you know, first year the Joe Paterno coach, we we had put the numbers back on the helmet, those type of things. So everyone's done a little something. This one, to Honky's point, is an alternate jersey, but is clearly grounded in our history, and I think that makes everyone a little happier and and the main thing is if we play like black shirts this year it will mean all the more i mean i would like to see some black shirt defense 
first before we honor them with this jersey. So maybe they don't announce a game yet until we start seeing some production on the defensive side of the ball. And if we don't see any, you know, a improvement from last year, maybe we never see that black jersey because they have not announced a game that they're going to play it at. That's and true. Like, if we're going to earn the black shirts in practice, let's earn the black shield, the black shirt on uh, on the field. Absolutely. Honky, we have uh, anything on roster management uh, we want to check in on tonight? Yeah, so roster management is everything from what are you doing with existing players on your team? Are you going to redshirt them or are you not? Who are guys that are coming off of injuries and going to play or not? How about, you know, recruiting gets involved with that? All that plays into a role of like, where are you at with your numbers, right? And so just in the last week or so, some of the things that we've learned, Garrett Nelson's not going to redshirt. So we've talked about, you know, outside linebacker is a very important position. Jojo Doman appears to be getting back into yep. kind of full steam. Mac, you have been such a proponent of Ferguson out there for a yeah. while. Alex Davis, we're hearing great things about him, and Caleb Tanner's looking really good. So that outside spots, I'm really not as concerned. That's interesting. But getting uh, Garrett Nelson in there, I think that's really important. On top of that, let's talk about another position of need, center. And Will Farniak was definitely taking a lot of snaps, mm-hmm. I think, the last time that the media had a chance to watch practice. But if you look yesterday at the BTN video – You'll see Jurgen sitting in the middle there. In fact, Chaz from SoCal took a screenshot of it and posted God it. God bless you, Chaz. <laughs> we keep bringing up Chaz. We're going to get him on the show here one of these weeks. But Jurgens was in the middle of the O-line yep. with all the first teamers around him. So you know, the point is, you know, I, I just think that we're, get, we're getting depth at some positions that I think people are really concerned about, and we're getting the depth there. Another thing that I think came up roster management wise was, and this is one of Honky's great themes, is walk-ons. Sounds like uh, we've got a player from Colorado State has left that program and will be joining the Huskers. Is that right? Yeah. Wrong? So Zach Schlager, who left McCook a couple years ago, and I just remember, and I don't know, is it Schlager or Schlager? I'm terrible with. I this. say Schlager. I don't know. It sounds like it's a great Nebraska name. It's very, you know, it almost sounds like a German. Is it Pataka? You know? Is it Patuchka? <laughs> is it Hianji or is it Hingi? Well, I mean, this is the beauty of Nebraska. Say it how you want. Mine's Honke. It's French Romanian. But, anyways, <laughs> but with. What I love about the fact that the guy is leaving a scholarship that he he has in hand, he is on scholarship in Fort Collins, and he is leaving that to take a chance to be a walk-on under Frost for the opportunity to be a part of the Nebraska program. That is as traditional as any story of what the walk-on program is about. And it's also the thing that if you go back two years ago when we first started this show, back when Riley was still the coach, and all the talk was about you have to get five-star kids out of South California. That's the only way that we're ever going to win games. And I tried to make the argument back then where it's like you can get walk-ons if you offer them and if you actually legitimately give them a shot. Mm -hmm. This kid is leaving money on the table to come to Nebraska to walk on. That is awesome. Yeah. It, it proves the point. It proves the point. If, if, if he's literally coming from a program where he was in, in, in a nice school, in a, a heck of an area. Brand to live new at, stadium. In a, a, you, probably lived, a, you lived there, Mac. I, I did. And, you know, probably a far better opportunity to see the field and actual playtime at Fort Collins, the CSU, to come to Nebraska and be so bought into the program that he's willing to pay for his own way and really struggle to get up the depth chart. That just kind of tells you the culture and the rebuild of this walk-on program and what Frost and company are are developing down in Lincoln, man. It's it's fantastic. I mean, it's 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 exactly what you want to see. Yep. Yeah. 
Mac, before we dive into the, the mailbag, I do want to bring up that culture thing. I, I watched, I don't know if you guys saw that, Frost spoke in front of a group that was, I believe, at Strategic Air yep. Command, and uh, it was just a phenomenal, about an hour-long YouTube video, and uh, I think it was a great insight into building culture and leadership on this team and how things like the program has influenced how uh, Scott Frost and his staff uh, develops uh, leadership and culture. I can tell you this, without a good culture, without good teammates, without good team leaders, we don't have a chance. Um, they say in football that the Jimmys and the Joes beat the X's and the O's. If you've got good players, you're going to beat anybody no matter what their scheme is. But I'll tell you, it goes even deeper than that. Without good culture and without good teammates and team leaders, it doesn't matter how good of players we have. We're going to lose to teams that have it. If we have it, we're going to beat teams that don't. It was just a great, great watch and um, encourage everyone else to check it out. Absolutely. He, he dropped so many dimes of wisdom. And the thing that kind of impressed me the most about that, Dave, was you could tell throughout the whole time he was interacting with them, the humbleness that he had and the, and the, and the reverence that he had for the, the military and, um, you know, kind of saying, you know, these are things that you guys probably already know. These are things I take from you and just making it more about them. It was just, he was, it was such a good picture of what our head coach, you know, you, you hope he is, you, you know, the, the presentation he puts out there, you know, you hear from the program guys about what a great guy Scott Frost is. You see these speeches online. It just, Man, it's, it's, it's such a warm tingly. This is the stuff that, uh, I think separates Scott Frost from so many other coaches. And that, that fact that he is essentially kind of a, not the leader of just the team, but almost from a, from a state perspective. And they talked about that, that burden. And he, he again, embraces it. And he had a great joke about how it only gets brought up when I go to events like this. Um, but honky, there's another great article in the athletic, uh, from Mitch Sherman. Uh, talking about the program and that relationship between uh, the Nebraska coaching staff and uh, the program. You read that, right? Lions hang out with lions, right? That's right. I mean, that's a, that's a great title. Meow. Huh? Wow. <laughs> Wait, raw. Raw. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's... Dude, we have said this so many times about Frost. The guy is an alpha male. Yes. And... Guys that are alpha males want to hang out with other alpha males. Guys that are winners want to hang out with other winners. Lions hang out with lions. These guys are serious about playing football and winning football. When Mark Banker, the former defensive coordinator, has to talk after a a humiliating defeat to Iowa about how they must have bloodbath practices because we don't know how to play football because we don't know how to coach football because we don't know how to practice football at the state of Nebraska. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing because we have incompetent people coaching players that want to be great. We have great people right now coaching players who want to be great. We have great developers. We have great strength and conditioning and nutrition people that want to develop players that want to be great. And now we are getting guys that are getting paid money with scholarships to go to other schools. They're leaving those schools to come here to pay for the opportunity to be great. That is the unbelievable difference if anyone doesn't understand the difference between four and eight two years ago and four and eight a year ago and why we're ranked number 24 right now it is because of that we can't help you people make the difference the reason nebraska has been great for 50 plus years and, and and beyond that is not because of mountains and not because of oceans it is because of people our people make the difference and we lost that for 10 or 15 years we have 
people in place that care so deeply about this place and they know what it takes to win. That makes a difference. And we're going to see it. I, I, I love it. No, nobody washes their car better than the owner. And that's, that's, that's just <laughs> that's how all, Scott Frost dude, is. I perfect. mean, that, that is just how it is. I <laughs> that's mean, so perfect. It, nobody's going to be more meticulous and more detailed in the, in the care of his car than the owner. And Frost is the owner of this program. He knows it. He uh, understands it. The culture is ingrained into him. I mean, that's, to me, that's the biggest comforting factor going into his tenure as our, as our head coach is like, he knows how to take care of this. So, you know, Dave, I know we're going to go to, to mailbag in a second, but uh, Springfield, Nate said, uh, you know, howdy, this really isn't a question, but I'm so excited about college football being back. that I could drive up there and kiss one of you fellers on the mouth. After, (laughs) after Mac made that statement, I could kiss you on the mouth right now. (laughs) Hard pass. on. Okay. Let's get into that mailbag guys. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's a segue to the mailbag, Dave. <laughs> mailbag. All right, hockey. Let's uh, open up that mailbag. I hear it's chock full of good questions. <laughs> We've had so much stuff coming in on social media. We honestly we cannot get to half of the stuff. So thank you very much, Redcasters. As always, uh, before we get to the mailbag, let's start with the Twitter poll. Um, we asked a question the other night: uh, Which Husker offensive unit besides the quarterback? is most likely to produce a first-team All-Big Ten player this season. So obviously, quarterback, you know, Martinez, a lot of people think he could be it. So if you remove him from the mix, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive line, who do you think it will be? So far, we've had about 800 votes on this, and it was just put up the other night. So thank you, so everyone that's voted. I'm going to start with Boomer on this, and then we'll kind of go around the room. But Boomer... Which offensive unit, if you took the quarterback out of out of the uh, the equation, do you think could produce a first team All Big Ten player? Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm glad I went first because I'm gonna take the easy answer. You're gonna have to go with wide receiver to get to there. You you kind of have to have a bit of a name to start the season, and I think uh, you know Spielman would be an obvious answer for that. So I think there's you know good potential for him to possibly creep in there. If if Martinez has the kind of success we expect him to, you know you're going to have a receiver paired along with him to produce the kind of numbers that that we're expecting him to. So I think there's a good chance there. The challenge with everybody else is there's a lot of you know there's competition with the rest of the Big Ten. Are they going to be able to overtake other teams, other you know other players from you know other rosters to actually take a first team slot? So you know, the wide receiver is the easiest pick. So. Okay, well I might come back to you, Boomer, after I talk to Dave and Mac on this. Uh, just to kind of give your stretch pick then. So Dave, assuming that you can't say Spielman again as well, uh, what position group, it still could be wide receiver if you feel like it's some other non-Spielman guy, but uh, what would you say right now would be that 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 group? I can't say Spielman. You can't say Spielman too. It's already been said. So now you... I'll take JD from the wide receiver core. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. Um I'll let Mac do a stretch pick right off the bat. I'll go with probably the safest pick, even though there's probably a lot of people in front of him here in the Big Ten, depth-wise. But um, just from a name recognition, and Brendan Hymas, I think, could potentially, if he has a really great mm-hmm. year, um, be all Big Ten. Mac? Uh, that's a great pick, Dave. And the way I look at it, too, I mean, obviously, if you're taking away your top two with Spielman and, and Martinez, it gets a little difficult, and, all, and some of this is a reach. But when I look at how the schedule will play out and I, I think about the way a particular running back developed last year, I think mm-hmm. a guy like Dedrick Mills 
who has a little bit of a name recognition going forward and will have the benefit of facing maybe one of the other top backs in, in J.K. Dobbins at home. If he can come out and have a pretty good start to the season and then outperform that guy at home, he's got a chance. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, you're not going to unseat that guy, but I, I don't know that I truly feel that strongly about another back in the Big Ten short of, you say Corbin at Illinois, but you had to factor wins in at some point, you know, yeah. and if you're not on a winning team and I don't think Illinois is going to be a winning team, then maybe some of that gets, you know, brushed aside. And so he's got a chance to me. Yeah. I also think the running back position just as a whole, you mentioned Mills as an obvious guy to elevate up there, but there is still the Washington yeah. factor too. And I guess maybe bringing up Washington kind of leads us to one of our, our next mailbag questions. Law, politics and football said, uh, from a Husker history perspective and based on the current college football landscape, what are the odds that Mo Washington plays with his case still pending? What precedent should we look to? And have I missed any definitive statement from Frost or in you on this? Uh, I can speak right away specifically to have we missed any statements. The last statement we heard was the preseason press conference that Frost talked about it. And that was pretty much we're going to kind of let this thing play its course. But maybe, Boomer, I'll start with you from a precedent standpoint and what's going on in the current college football landscape. I mean, you know, what should we be looking for, I guess, right now with what to expect for game one? I think it's very difficult to just say at this point. This kind of has been going on for some time. I think a lot of people expected this to kind of be resolved before now. But for for some reason or another, it's it's kind of been kicked down the, down the road a little further than we anticipated. So my basic approach to this is I, I've taken the Scott Frost approach. Let's just wait and let it play out before we commit to any sort of action or response on this. So it's, it, it's kind of one of those things very difficult. So let's let it play out. Yeah, I think it's real challenging. And Frost has been very consistent on talking about how you should let this play out and be patient on it. Uh, there's comparable a little bit just from uh, the fact that Wisconsin last year had a situation. They had a wide receiver, uh, Cephas, I believe, who um, was facing a, a serious felony charge and they suspended him. He was out in the entire last season. He's been vindicated though. He's, I believe now been reinstated onto the team, which is a big impact on Wisconsin actually from a, a position standpoint. Um, so it is difficult to, you know, figure out how they're going to proceed on this. And particular with game one, just because of the, the pending hearing is actually after the first game is played. So, He's clearly been practicing uh, quite a bit, actually, it seems like. And and so that if that gives you an in indication of where they're heading, that would be interesting. But we're only going to find out after we see game one, right? Yep. All right. Let's go back to Boomer here then. So now you've mentioned, obviously, Spielman, the wide receiver. Do you have a stretch pick that you think could be all Big Ten? Yeah, if you want me to go with a stretch pick, I'm... Let's go with Jack Stoll at tight end. I think we're all expecting more to the tight end position this year, and if the if the Frost offense kind of continues the way we think it is, he does have that possibility. I, you know, there's there are some good tight ends still in the Big Ten, so you do have to kind of get over that hurdle of other other competition. I think uh, what Purdue had the tight end returning. I think he was all Big Ten last year. Was it Hopkins? I think and. There's a guy at Penn State that was, uh, was it Freyer Muth, if I remember correctly? He was pretty good, and Iowa seems to be turning out tight ends left and right, so there is competition there, probably. It's going to be a little tighter than some of the other positions, like a wide receiver or a quarterback, but uh, 
if 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 you're asking for a stretch pick, there it is. Very good. All right. Well, let's move on. Next question. Uh, Andrew from Facebook asked, "How much do you play McCaffrey in a blowout?" And would you play him over Vedral? Dave, I'll start with you. Would you play McCaffrey over Vedral in a blowout? Well, since we're going to have many blowouts um, <laughs> this year, uh, I suppose at least one of them I may consider playing Luke McCaffrey more than Noah Vedral. Um, I think it really just depends on each game and each situation. The real question here is, is he going to redshirt or not? Right? I mean, it's logical that he redshirts and you only play him four games. But uh, they may like him that much. Uh, they may have a package for him. Um, he clearly seems ready uh, to do that. Uh, I think we'll we'll find out soon enough in the sense that he's probably going to play a couple of early games to get his feet wet and then um, then kind of go from there in Big Ten play. Would I play him over Vedral? My answer is yes for at least one one of the blowouts. How about you, Mac? Uh, not initially I wouldn't. I, I... You know, just to give Vedral his due and the time he spent in the program, I think if the first guy off the bench after Adrian will be Vedral, no matter what, until there's a, some sort of catastrophic injury. But to Dave's point, ideally, as the season progresses, we get a little bit deeper than just the two. And as the one thing I love about Vedral is he's always kind of made it clear that he wants to be a coach and he wants to be a part of something bigger than just his playing career. And I think a guy like that, a teammate like that, would realize that getting a, getting a young freshman who might be the heir apparent to Adrian, some actual mm-hmm. play time, there's not going to be any waves there. I mean, that, what the situation we have at a quarterback position is so unique in college football right now. I feel like it's something that we really need to utilize. So, yes, if we get some blowouts, we need to get McCaffrey's feet wet. But at the same time, Vedral needs some playtime, too, just in case, you know, Adrian's helmet pops off in the middle of a game and he has to come out for it. What a great position. By the way, just to kind of throw all that into into one little bucket here, a year ago, Martinez goes down against Colorado, and we were literally down to Bunch and Matt Masker as his backup against Troy. And to think about that right now, less than 12 months later, we're having a conversation of, you know, who – who do we want to be our backup? Which you know, which potential scholarship backup could we be playing? Like that just shows the progress at that key position. Denardo has brought it up. This is a strong position for us beyond just Martinez. Now, I think that's. I just think it shows the the strength and and what you know Frost has talked about from day one. Frost said he wanted to have five guys in that quarterback room when he started. I think he's well on his way. Well on his way. All right, the last question comes from Mountain Jess. She said, what's your worst personal fan experience you've ever had? Uh, Honky, you already mentioned your CU 2001 experience on a previous show. Uh, hashtag CU Redout. So uh, what is your worst fan experience you've had? Uh, I'm going to start with Boomer, since he's been on multiple uh, road trips with me. Every one of you guys have, but but Boomer particularly. Uh, do you have a really bad uh, road trip experience. Yeah, I was trying to think about that, and I honestly haven't had a ton of bad experiences per se, based on the fans themselves. I've been to a lot of away games, like Oklahoma fans were fine, Texas A and M fans were great, some of the best best fans I ever had. You know, some of the games I've been to, where we went to the Kansas game, when I'm pretty sure we lost by you know triple digits or something, whatever the year that was, that was that was bad for the game purposes. But even the Kansas fans took it in stride. 
I, I would probably have to say the worst, you know, even going to Wisconsin wasn't terrible. I mean, they were, you know, mostly drunk and trouserless for most of the game, but that was still okay. <laughs> I, they weren't terrible. I, I, I guess in general, the worst fan base I've ever personally experienced was probably Missouri and in Columbia. Their fans were mostly questionable sorts, and I, I could do without them. So Okay, well, let's, uh, let's move to Mac. Worst fan experience was the uh, the initial Big Twelve championship game where Texas beat us, and I know that didn't have anything to do with their fans. Although I found the Texas fans particularly unbearable after that game, but I did make record time home uh, <laughs> from St. Louis to Lincoln. <laughs> I did. I think I made that in about five hours. And I, I will say they did have the greatest Mr. Pibb we've ever had. For the Dr. The, uh, Pepper Big inaugural, 12 Championship yeah, game? Yeah, the Dr. Pepper Big 12 Championship game. That was a just outstanding Mr. Pibb. I, that's the one takeaway from that game. I'll always it remember. It really was standalone Pibb. It was, it, we all talked it's about bizarre. it. It's bizarre. I can't explain it. We we had a moment at halftime. Remember, we went down and both had a Mr. Pibb. We both like took a sip and just locked eyes. <laughs> and <showed up laughs> this was fabulous. Hello. We just nodded. We didn't even have to say anything. It was, it was the strangest thing. But, <laughs> Well, Dave, do you have any experiences? Yeah, you know, like uh, Mac and Boomer, I haven't had any particularly horrid experiences. I would say that last year uh, versus Colorado, I had great experiences outside the stadium, going in, tailgating, uh, running into some CU fans. Uh, when we were in the stadium, there was a, a, a younger CU Buff fan, um, college age or a little bit older, who was somewhat obnoxious especially when uh in the second half they they started playing a lot better and that honestly i i've been to a lot of road games i've had a few other experiences similar to that but i've never had any sort of of the crazy stories that we've heard um of you know license plate stealing or things getting thrown at you etc and i i hope that's the case again here in a couple weeks in boulder I do think it's going to be a red out. We are going to have a lot of people in that stadium. I don't know if we'll get up to 50% or not, but it's going to be a lot. And um, I think we need to be our best fans. And so, you know, you kind of give what you get and and vice versa there. And so hopefully if we're really good fans and can enjoy that experience. Uh, you know, if you're going to the CU game before the game, Go talk to a CU fan and just, you know, actually reminisce positively about some of the great games you've watched. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they would uh, give back. Right? Yeah. I'll so. tell you what, you know, to be honest with you, it wasn't an away game. I hate to say this, but one of the worst fan experiences I can remember is Texas coming to Lincoln in 2010, I think it was. And Boomer, we've yeah, talked about that. Would, and yeah, that's exactly right. yeah. to your point there, Dave, is... Don't fall down to a level of other fan bases that sometimes are real or not real. I've heard so many things about how terrible Wisconsin fans are. Guess what? I've been to Wisconsin. I've heard how terrible Michigan State fans are. I've been to Michigan State. I've heard how terrible Penn State and how terrible Ohio State and terrible Michigan fans are. I've been to every one of those places. I've rather enjoyed almost every one of those trips. Except for the games. Yeah, except for the games, which has nothing to do with the fans. I've enjoyed the actual yeah. visits. One of the best trips we ever took, and, and God bless us all, it's one of them we were all on, 2008 at Oklahoma. They took were an really R- nice. Took an yeah. RV trip Great down trip. there the first year of, of Bo Pelini. It was an unbelievable day. It's one of the best tailgating experiences for 8, 10 hours, whatever it was. It was yeah. wonderful. Then we were down 35 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Don't 
buy into that all these other fan bases are just terrible to us. The Colorado people I mentioned on a previous show, oh, the Colorado fans were terrible to us. Well, I was wearing red from head to toe, and I walked in there, and I was arrogant, and I was young and stupid. They threw some stuff at me. It happens. I, I, I honestly, I don't even hold any grudges against it. I am not scared to go to Boulder in two weeks or three weeks, and there's going to be a ton of people there with us, and the Red Nation will be there. But be cool. That's, a, that's all. Just be cool. Yeah, that's right. Hey, Mac, just a really quick story on the Oklahoma trip. Wasn't it? I mean, you're sitting right next to Honky and they're up like 28 nothing already or 35 nothing. And Honky's trying to somehow explain how we're going to come back. And then you just say something like, stop it, Matt. Stop it. <laughs> he just kind of looked at me at about, I, what were we about? 28 down? He's like, is there any way that you can think of that we can come back from this? And I was just shaking my head and I just kind of looked at him like, no. <laughs> And it was it was so helpful. And that's it. It's, no. it, was, it was so helpful because like I could just liberating. I could stop it doing, was. It was like okay, reassessment of the trip. Yeah, I could stop doing math. I was wearing a beer helmet that has honky on the back. I don't. Yeah. I shouldn't be doing math at that point, anyways. And also, we had Boomer and his brother was with us too, Brad. And Brad, we get there, and Brad goes and gets like you know a, whatever the Oklahoma version of a runza is, and he comes back and gets to his seat. Five minutes into the game, and we're down twenty-one nothing. And he sits down. And he's like, "What yeah. the heck happened?" And we're like, "Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know yeah. either." So, long story short, rarely has a game been taken away from you so quickly. <laughs> I'm like, "Wow, I, I can no longer care about what happens next." So, so blindingly so, <laughs> drunk it is. <laughs> so, Mountain Jess, I don't know what our worst experiences necessarily are, and that's looking in the past, but looking in the future. I'm not expecting bad experiences moving forward. And be cool. The main thing is yeah. Husker fans, Dave, to your point there, be cool. Show, show how great Husker Nation is, whether we're in Lincoln or in Boulder or Madison or wherever. One, one of the things I've, I've always liked about my group of friends, and you guys are obviously included in that, is we've always been very good ambassadors for the state of Nebraska, for the program, for college football. It's a short season, man. Yes, you can you can talk a little smack amongst each other, but have a good time with it. There's no reason yeah. to be no reason to be overly irritating. You know, like we're all here having a good time. We're gonna root for our teams. I, you know, we hope we win, and you hope you win it it's no big deal have a good time show them the best of nebraska you know we get talked about all the time throughout the nation about best fans in college football i kind of take that seriously as stupid as that sounds but i yep. do i'm like i and plus I, I just feel like i'm I'm a nice person i don't intentionally like being rude to people unless they're from iowa and i don't care <laughs> that's yeah. right that- all right dave uh, all right let's let's get out of here with some parting shots honky you want to take it away all right, yeah. So, uh, you know, I've been. Uh, we always like to give some credit out to different shows that we listen to, and different, you know, papers that we read, and videos we watch. We're all a family. Yep. And one of the podcasts I've just gotten onto, it's the Eyes on Big Ten podcast, and it's uh, at Big Ten Kurt, who's an Illinois fan, and at Jeffrey the Greek, who's an Iowa fan. It's a really good show. Like I like listening to it. It's one of the smartest shows talking about Big Ten football specifically as a whole. And you don't hear a lot of those. A lot of them are so specific to a team. This is a really good Big Ten show. And uh, I would definitely recommend Eyes on Big Ten. Um, also, last week we mentioned uh, Redcast Katie, who is Dave's wife. Uh, she's doing some of our social media now. And I mentioned that she was going to be posting some things for the ladies. And I didn't realize one of those things would be Dave shirtless. Reading a Phil mm. Still magazine, Dave, you were looking good. 
You are. <laughs> I have not seen that, uh, but I'm sure I, I looked excellent. I think he's been working. That out. is the dad bod. That was just my head, yeah. really. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Couple other things. I want to do a couple promotions. Uh, one of them, we're going to be doing a, a talk here at some point here with Husk Guys on Twitter, and we're going to be doing kind of a fan talk. And I think it's really cool. It's going to be something. It's like fun. a winner take all, no holds bar debate. No. No, oh, no, it's just literally it's a fan talk. Now we have oh, to come sorry. up with we have to come up with some name for the segment that would be kind of cool, but it's the idea that we we chat with some other, you know, big Husker fans out there and just kind of chat with them. It's something that we want to do to we're a fan podcast for for the people. And since we're promoting things, I also want to promote that next week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday, I guess, uh Labor Day <laughs> Is Aura <laughs> weekend Wednesday through Monday? Aura weekend. <laughs> yeah. Mac and I are golfing in the Aura Open. It's Aura Eve on Thursday night. We're going to be watching, you know, football next Get week. Get your so, Aura tickets now. So we have some special sales are limited to two. <laughs> we have some light your candles, kids. We have some special Aura week things going on. And uh, and last but not least, I hate to end on a downer. I but will try to get a video of Honky crying at Rudy. For Aura Eve. Yes. <laughs> and last but not least, I try not to end on a downer, but I, I kind of have to hear on the injury front, We Nebraska's been very positive on not having any, but it was terrible to hear Christian Gaylord, the knee injury. I hate hearing a fifth-year senior, all the effort the guy put in. I mean, you know the guy just, you know, he bleeds Nebraska red, and it, and it just sucks to hear that going into a senior, he had the injury. So, you know, we're, we're feeling for you here, Christian. Hopefully you have a, a you know, a great recovery and, and you're back full strength. All right, Mac, what do you got? Uh, I just want to send out a a Go Big Red cast. Uh, congratulations to all the uh, recent graduates from the football team. You know, that's what it's all about, you know, student athletes. Uh, you know, Frost mentioned that the GPA was as high as it's been in a long, long time. You know, things are trending in the right direction in, in that as well. So uh, proud of you guys. Let's uh, put her down on the field and uh, beat Iowa. Yeah, I think you said it might have been the highest ever. Is over three as a collective. I, I, have, no, I have no data. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll just go with it then. Boomer, what do you got? Well, I think hockey covered about 8,000 bases in his uh, <laughs> shots there. Starting but uh, shots. I just kind of want to, yeah, shots, plural, uh, noting the plural there, stressing that. But I just kind of want to remind the Redcasters that I know we're all excited for football season, but keep in mind there's a lot of fall Husker sports coming up. We've got uh, volleyball preseason ranked pretty highly, so I, we're number all excited two. about that. Yeah, number two, so please get out there. Uh, women's soccer's kicking off if you've never been out to a soccer game please do that that's that's a fun time i've taken my kids to those that's a good event and uh we've also got you know husker basketball just around the corner uh, we've also you know we've shown we can dominate europe georgish patent style there so <laughs> i think we got a lot to look forward to in, in fall sports not just football so let's uh let's do this and go big red it is going to be a great year all right guys great show really enjoyed it and uh, let's call that a go big red cast go big red